0: One
1: semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandy Egan. Let's go to court.
2: On this episode, I'll talk about Kate Middleton's topless photos. And I'll be talking
1: about William Wallace.
2: <laughs> mine has the word topless
1: in it, so clearly mine is better than yours. I hate to say it, but it's true. <laughs> and mine's not that William Wallace. It's a different William Wallace. Oh. Not the Braveheart guy. I'm sorry to disappoint you. You know, I know so little about movies that
2: I didn't even know that's where we were going with that.
1: Wonderful. Well, you said it in kind of a
2: Wilford Brimley kind of voice, so I didn't really know. That was my that was my attempt at a Scottish accent, Kristen. Oh God, Uh, try try again. Let me hear you. Come on.
1: No. (laughs) Amazing. I will not be fodder for your for your comedy. Mm, okay, okay.
2: <laughs> Just wait till you make entry into my home again. You stop it.
1: <laughs> Oh, I miss you. I miss you too. Oh. Mm. Oh, I got a I got a hot update on the uh, on the Supreme Court cards. Do you oh, wanna, okay. Do you want me to deliver it? I mean, yeah, I think you're the only one who can. <laughs> so so I got out this weekend and went to Office Max, uh, because Woo! I figured it was not busy enough, uh or it wouldn't be too busy for me to be unsafe going there. And so I got stamps. So I sent out everything. Um we've got uh more cards on order, so those will be coming in soon and we'll get the next batch shut out. And then Casey, my sister, messaged me today and she's like, um, you can order stamps on the United States Postal Service's website and they'll just mail them to you (laughs) I was like uh (laughs) (laughs) so stamp situation taken care of so (laughs) Uh, well first
2: of all first of all ma'am what the hell are you talking about
1: Oh um so we have this little thing called a Patreon perhaps you've heard of it and uh if you join at the uh $7 level that's the supreme court and you get um you get all kinds of fun benefits including but not limited to a card with our autographs in it and inside that card comes an amazing sticker with our logo on it and so an amazing sticker yeah it's a really cute sticker Well, I mean, it's not going to
2: like cure the coronavirus. I don't know if we can
1: call it amazing.
2: I think it's amazing. You know, you too, (laughs) Kristen. (laughs) In addition to that, you also get bonus episodes, bonus videos. You get into our Discord where you can chat with everybody. The bonus video this month, I got to say, me giving the haircut to Norman, it's it's quite something.
1: It's gold. It's comedy gold, Kristen. No, it's a golden haircut. You did. Okay, I have to say, like, you did a pretty good job. You took instruction really well.
2: Okay, well, now you're being a little too nice. I mean, it does look pretty bad.
1: Minus the part where I told you to make a guide down the middle, and you made a guide down the one side (laughs) of his head.
2: Brandy, you know what? Sometimes the artist makes their own decisions. Okay, you hear the rules, maybe you even respect them, but then you have to break them.
1: Okay, okay. you're we're calling okay. yourself an artist now, huh? Yeah, an artiste is what I prefer.
3: <laughs> Excellent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we get going with this? Or, well, I kind of want to chit chat with you, you more. What else
1: you got? You got any updates?
2: Well, no, I don't have... Nothing new has happened to me. Nothing cool has happened yeah, to me, me because either. I'm at home.
1: <laughs> Just at home.
2: <laughs> Just I did go to Costco here. the other day with Norm, and literally the only aisle that had multiple people in it
1: was the liquor aisle. Oh, see, so you guys are fancy there in Missouri. See, in Kansas, we got our, our buttholes so tight they can't sell <laughs> alcohol at Costco. <laughs>
2: And that's why there's no alcohol consumption in the state of Kansas. They just that's took care right. of that problem. No. So I, I went into that aisle for science. Oh, yeah. And I observed other yes. people. And I was like, wow, you guys are having a problem. Clearly. And then, I, then I grabbed
1: like the two gallon jug of vodka and went I, on my way. I also went to Costco this weekend. Oh, yeah. And sat in the parking lot. <laughs> Did they let David in? Okay, so yeah. So update on that situation. I don't know if we talked about it, just you I don't and me, think or if we about, talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. Okay, so um, tiny bit of backstory is we uh, we needed to go to Costco because we like need dog food and stuff like that. But the Costco card is only in my name. It's not in David's name. And so the last time he went without me, they like gave him a hard time about it. And we're like, well, she's going to need to be here from now on. And, uh, you know, because people are constantly trying to use fraudulent Costco accounts. Um, All the time. <laughs> non-stop. And so we're like, okay, well, we have to go. But David's like, you cannot go into Costco. It's way too busy. Like, that's not safe. Yeah. Which I yeah. agree. I haven't been going to the grocery store. I haven't been going to any store with, you know, a large number of people in it. And so And anyone who's new here, Brandy's pregnant. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we decided that I would just ride in the car and I'd sit in the car. And then if they gave him a hard time about it, that he could then FaceTime me and be like, look, yeah. she's in the car, but she can't come in. And so he went and got our list of stuff and checked out and the guy like rang him up and everything and he was letting him pay and then he's like okay i gotta ask whose card is this Mm -hmm. and david's like oh it's it's my fiance's and he's like okay you know she's really supposed to be here and he's like well she is here she's just in the car but she's you know seven months pregnant and shouldn't be in the store and the guy's like oh yeah 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 yeah, for sure no you're you're good you're good okay good yes thank god Yes, yeah So, yes, yeah, we were able like... to get our, our Costco purchases with a uh, minimal hassle. And I got to do some pretty good people watching in the parking lot. What'd you see? You know, just the the there was a whole just wide spectrum of how serious people take things and how oh. not seriously they take. things. Yes. Yes. You got okay. people in, in practically a full hazmat suit mm-hmm. and then people doing nothing and taking their small child into Costco with them. Like. The that thing blew that, my mind. The thing that amazes me is like the CDC has come out and they have said,
2: hey, we should all probably be wearing masks. Yeah. It amazes me the number of people who are like, nope, not me. Not <laughs> yes. for me. And I get that the president doesn't want to wear his mask. Yeah. But I mean, good Lord, put
1: a mask on. Yeah yeah the thing that alarmed me the most okay so at costco and i don't know if this is um specific to kansas but they have like limits on how many people can be in the store now yeah yeah so there's a line to get in so yeah they're doing a good job yeah they're doing a really good job and so like people are waiting in line you go in you make your purchase you come out you know each person comes out they let another person in whatever i saw this couple like wait in line go in and then come out with nothing like what huh there was nothing in there like what was that worth it (laughs) i don't understand
2: (laughs) huh made no purchase maybe they only wanted toilet paper
1: they had toilet paper we bought toilet paper oh okay well hmm. i I don't know what to tell you that we had like a list of things we needed that we were sure they'd have and then we had like a couple of bonus items like oh if they have this like i really wanted honey crisp apples (laughs) and they they're they have like these giant ones there that are so good, and so I was like, okay, if they have those, get those, and if they have toilet paper, get toilet paper, and we got them both. I don't want to brag, but it was a pretty successful Costco trip. You know how I know you're rich, Brandy, because I bought honey crisp apples. Yes, <laughs> from Costco. <laughs> they're the means most you spent ridiculously expensive apples. Seventeen dollars. <laughs> no, they were like twelve dollars, but that's still ridiculously expensive for apples. They are the best apples, though. Oh my gosh, they're so good. I've eaten one every day since we bought them. I buy them
2: also. I am also a baller. (laughs) Um, Yeah. My favorite thing that I have seen out and about is people who are wearing gloves, which, you know, I wear gloves out too, to like the stores and stuff. So gloves, mask. But I've seen people wearing the gloves and then like. Touching their face yes. and touching and, and it's like well no, 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 those aren't
1: like that's not like immunity no like I have the- no <laughs> and then the other thing that drives me crazy is like they they go into the store wearing their gloves, they do their thing, and then they come out, and then they you get in the car with your gloves still on, like that's yeah you're cross contaminating everything you got to take those things off and throw them in a trash receptacle that's the other problem. people are just throwing them on the ground as, as if that's nuts. our society now, yeah, yeah. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> should we talk about crimes? <laughs> yeah, we probably should. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Brandy? Um, what's, oh. what's that Scottish Ooh. accent? Oh. This is a Kristen case if I have ever heard Aww. one. Casey sent this to me, my sister Casey. You're familiar. I was going to say, who? (laughs) (laughs) So shout out to her. Also, shout out to this website, which they do the thing where they've got this great piece, but then there's no byline or anything. I hate that. I hate that. Give people credit. Exactly. So the website is theunredacted.com. And Mm -hmm. uh, this, this case, this piece they have on it is so all-encompassing. It's basically all I needed. But I also pulled from a Mental Floss article by Deanna Chiopa, C-I-O-P-P-A, Chiopa. Okay. Uh And some uh, from Wikipedia. So, All right. Old-timey disclaimer. Ho, ho, ho. Okay. (laughs) Okay, here we go. All right. It has been called the perfect murder. Or, better yet, the impossible murder because it would have been impossible for William Herbert Wallace to have murdered his wife, Julia. But it also seemed impossible that anyone else had done it. The hmm. Wallaces were what some might call an unusual couple. It's 1931, and uh, William and his wife, Julia, lived in Liverpool, uh, the Anfield neighborhood of Liverpool, if if you know the area. Oh, yeah. Right Great, by the yes. tree? <laughs> Right by the tree, Kristen. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> William was a 52 year old insurance salesman, and he, like, was kind of in all of these articles, he's described as ailing or sickly. He had some serious chronic kidney problems. Okay. And then his wife, who I believe was 50, but in a couple of articles, she's listed as being 60. But I saw her gravestone, and I'm pretty sure that she was 50. Okay. Um, so <laughs> she was described as a, um, a difficult woman uh, okay. she was uh, and I'm quoting here is this fierce... like 1930s difficult or <laughs> yes. like no no she's just um, I, you know I don't know you be the judge okay. she okay. was fiercely suspicious of strangers uh-huh. and led a very sheltered life so she had very few friends didn't let like anyone in their home um, mm-hmm. and didn't often leave her home Sounds like me right now. (laughs) (laughs) I would describe you as a difficult woman, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) ma'am. And a former friend, like this is very specifically quoted as a former friend in all of these articles. Okay. Described the marriage as loveless and strained. So January 20th, 1931, 52-year-old William Wallace is agitated like even more so than normal he was not like you're kind of like you know easygoing guy he always seemed to be in a bit of a oh. mood but was on this he a particular... difficult man <laughs> yeah, is. weird that we don't call him that right exactly <laughs> but on this particular night he seemed more agitated than normal he was looking for an address. It was an address he had never heard of before and uh, one that he wasn't familiar with. And he was writing like a train or a tram or whatever you want to call it. Some articles call it the train. Some call it the tram. I don't know if that they're different things. I don't but. give a
2: tram. <laughs> 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 Sorry.
1: That was Terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> i've been cooped up too long Uh, anyway whether this was by his intention or not he had a very um memorable interaction with kind of everyone he came in contact with on his journey that night when he was on the tram he repeatedly asked the ticket inspector to tell him when it was time for him to get off he made multiple comments about how he um, was a complete stranger to these parts And how he didn't Mm, know where he was going and all of this stuff. Like he just made a very, very big deal about how he didn't know where he was. Didn't really know where he was going, but he was going to a specific address that he had written down on a piece of paper. 25 Menlove Gardens East. Should I be looking this up? Uh, I didn't look that one up. No, because it it turns out it doesn't exist, Kristen. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) This is is what William Wallace would find out that night. So he gets off the train and he's like on essentially like a wild goose chase for this address that turns out it doesn't even exist. 25 Menlove Gardens East. Turns out that Menlove Gardens North, South and West all existed, but no Menlove Gardens East. Well, that makes it a really good fake address then. (laughs) Exactly. So... He's searching and searching for this address and just getting more and more annoyed. And... Hold on. Who gave him this address? Like, why is he wanting to get to this place? So it turns out that the previous night he had gone to chess club. So he went to this chess club somewhat regularly, um, depending on which article you read. Like, you know, he was a a regular attendee, but he missed a lot of weeks because of his illness or whatever. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so on, on the previous night, he'd shown up at chess club, which took place at like this local little restaurant or cafe or whatever. And when he got there, he was given a note that someone had called for him the previous night and had said that, his name was R.M. Qualtro, <laughs> and that he needed okay. to get a message to william wallace and so the man who took the message was like okay he's like i can get you a message and the the man when this man called this all rm Qualtro called he said you know is he going to be at chess club tomorrow and the man who took the message was like you know i don't know he comes pretty regularly but you know sometimes he doesn't i can definitely get him the message and and by this man's memory the guy seemed pretty sure that william wallace would be there for chess club Okay. Whatever. So he's like, great, I'll take down the message. I'll get him to you. And it turns out he wanted to set up some kind of insurance business meeting with William Wallace. And this is the best way he could come up with to get a hold of him. And so he said to come around on the 20th at 730 for a meeting. And at this time, it's 1931. Things are, you know, we're kind of like in the Depression era in Britain. And so he decides that he's going to keep this appointment. William Wallace is, even though he doesn't know who this person is, he's never heard of R.M. Qual. Tro or qualtroff. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced, but he didn't seem like it was that weird of a thing to get this message when he showed up at chess club, and so he thought he'd keep the meeting and head on over to 25 Minlove Gardens East at 7:30 the following night. That's when he finds out it's not there. He gets. He goes all over this area asking random people if they know where this address is. You know, a couple people point him in different directions to the, you know, the north, south and west Menlove Gardens. And the night just kind of drags on 730, comes and goes. And finally, after he's talked to enough people, he's talked to like the newspaper boy on the corner. He flags <laughs> down a police officer at one point and recounts like this whole tale of the call and uh-huh. the, uh, that he got at chess club and how he rode the tram and how he's a stranger in these parts and uh, all of this. Right. So this is this is kind of odd, right? That he's making a point to speak to so many people and uh, well. And be I mean, memorable. unless. OK, that's a very cynical way to look at it, Brandy. What if he's
2: just really a guy who is lost and, you know, it's not like he's going to pull out his GPS or whatever. I mean, that's true. It's 1931. So. Yeah. So maybe you do go around and say, hey, I'm not familiar with the area. Can you please help me out?
1: All right, that's one way to look at it. Some people choose to look at it as this was him trying to set up an alibi well i will be the judge and jury so keep going <laughs> so <laughs> if you want the answer to this just stay tuned <laughs> finally william decides that the address does not exist okay he's been the victim of some kind of prank or or somebody at the very least taking this address down wrong and he decides well, yeah. to go back home so he gets on another tram he goes back home and it's around 8 45 p.m wait was it a train you know, it might be a train, might be a tram, Kristen. I'm not I'm not here to to uh Brandy, decide I that. want answers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop recording until you can get to the bottom of this, Missy. <laughs> so he gets home to twenty-nine Wolverton Street, ooh, Liverpool. Ooh. Should I be looking this up? Yeah, you can absolutely look that up. That 29 still exists. Wolverton Street, Liverpool. Okay. Okay, hang on. Here we go. you'll see, like, a brick building with some... Oh, cute. Yeah. 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 Okay. I like it. So he gets home. Two-story brick buildings, brick apartment buildings. Yeah, Yeah, it looks cute. So he gets home, and it's somewhere around 845 when William Wallace's next-door neighbors come out. John and Florence Johnston. That poor man's name was John Johnston. Oh, that's evil. (laughs) No. Uh, And they notice that William seems... Irritated, aggravated, he's like fiddling with the door, and they're like, "Every everything okay?" And he looks at them, and he says, "You know," with some concern in his voice, he says that he can't get the doors unlocked. He's tried the front door, he's tried the back door, and he looks at them, and all of the lights are off in the house, which is odd because his wife Julia should have still been up. Right. It's um, only like nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so he's like, "Have you guys heard anything unusual tonight?" And they tell him no. And then they follow him around to the back of the house where he's going to try the back door another time. Oddly enough, this time when he tries the back door, he puts his key in and it unlocks right away. Hmm. And so the Johnstons wait outside the back door while William Wallace goes in the house. He lit once he was inside, he lit a gas lamp and he carried it through the house with him. And then a few minutes later, he came back outside and said with apparently no emotion oh come and see she's been killed oh god yeah and so the johnstons go in the house with william wallace and there in the front room julia wallace is dead on the floor in front of the fireplace there is a fire going in the fireplace and there is blood everywhere there is blood spatter all over the walls of this room like seven feet high oh god and at this point again with no emotion william says they finished her look at what? her brains Ew, what? she had been f- beaten so badly in the head that a portion of her brain was exposed so at this point John Johnston tells his wife to stay with William And then he goes and either, you know He gets he gets the police and a doctor I don't know what you do in 1931 You don't call 911 But somehow he gets police to the house He gets a doctor to the house Which um, obviously they knew that there was no chance of a doctor saving her But it just seemed like the right thing to do in the moment <laughs> Okay, okay I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh at that I'm just picturing the doctor being like Well,
2: it appears she is dead. It appears she's dead, yes. I'm using all of my medical education
1: (laughs) right now for this moment. Yes. So while they're waiting, and they have to wait like, you know, 25 minutes or so for the police to get there, William and Mrs. Johnston are sitting there in the kitchen, and William. Does she have a name? Well, I already told you it, and I forgot it. (laughs) (laughs) Florence. Her name is Florence. I'm sorry. I'm a pill today. (laughs)
2: Too much time in my home.
1: (laughs) So they're sitting in the kitchen. And at this point, William gets up and he checks one of the cupboards like in the kitchen that he keeps locked. And that's where he keeps his insurance premiums that he collects. So we talked about this before, about how like in old timey times, the insurance man went door to door and collected the premiums. That seems to be what was going on in this situation. He had like a tin that he kept his insurance money in and then he'd take it into the office however often. So he gets that cabinet open and checks his collection money and there's four pounds missing but there's a whole bunch more in there yes there's a bunch more in there and so by the time the police get there they kind of look through the house and it seems that like one room seemed to have been gone through like the bedroom there was like a couple of things that had been kind of tossed about but not really even ransacked like it was just like you know someone had looked through there but there was julia's handbag was still there on the kitchen table it hadn't been gone through it had money in it so robbery was clearly not not the thing here.
2: Yeah. And what are the chances that you just misplaced four pounds or maybe like... Well, yeah, exactly. Julia took some because she needed some grocery money or something.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a possible explanation for only being four pounds missing. So they start looking into the scene a little bit and again they are alarmed by the amount of blood. She's Very clearly been badly beaten, but they can find no murder weapon anywhere. They search the whole house. They search the grounds. They can't find anything. And -hmm. there was no sign of forced entry into the home. So how did they make entry into the home? (laughs) They (laughs) used the door, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) The only piece of evidence that there seemed to be was this partially burnt coat they called it a macintosh coat that julia's body was laying on and then the dress that she was wearing was partially burnt so what they thought is that the attack had happened right in front of this gas fireplace and that she had fallen onto that coat and she had like her dress had like caught the fire as she was falling and had burned slightly and then burned part of that coat as well but they didn't Hmm. know if this coat belonged to julia it seemed weird that the coat wasn't on her; it was beneath her. Or if perhaps this coat belonged to the murderer. Yeah, it's called a Macintosh coat. It's like a think like one of those like tan trench coaty things. Okay, like okay. kind of so a rain kind coat of a unisex situation. Thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like an hour goes by And they're just kind of You know assessing the scene Like it's 1931 They don't know a lot About crime scene investigation At this point (laughs) And so They're all just Kind of standing around uh, Waiting for the Well yeah the neighbors Were invited in To take a gander Yes (laughs) exactly What is this The John Binet thing Exactly exactly So they wait for like The police photographer To come and take Some pictures of the scene And they wait for This guy who works At Liverpool University To come and like Give his expert opinion That's as close as they have to forensics at this point okay and so the police photographer also happens to be the photographer for the liverpool daily post Um, well sure sure (laughs) so then this guy john edward whitley mcfall so he's a lecturer in forensic medicine at the university they call him in as their forensics expert so even in 1931 determining a time of death based on rigor mortis alone was considered very out of date like there was a lot of other things that they were supposed to be taking into account like levity of the blood and stuff like that but this guy determined a cause of death completely on the state of rigor mortis that he determined a cause of death a time of death i'm sorry a time of death and he said in his expert opinion that she had died about 8 p.m 45 minutes before William Wallace returned home and her body was discovered. He would later, this McFall guy, would later try and amend that time of death, despite the fact that no other testing was ever done. Like, (laughs) this was literally it. Like, he pulled her arm up and saw how fast it fell and said, yeah, it looks like she's been dead since 8 p.m. Yes. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Okay. An autopsy was done and not much more was revealed by it. I mean, it was clear that she had been beaten on the head with some kind of blunt object and that there were several blows. This was a very serious case of overkill and that the fatal blows had come after she was already laying face down on the floor.
2: Jeez, this. okay? this is crazy because this is clearly a crime of passion. Yeah. And if the only person she was ever around was her husband... Right. Yeah. Okay. Who did it?
1: I mean, probably the husband, right? But could he have? He was running all over wherever looking for that address. Maybe he just took the fudge off right after he killed her. (laughs) Okay. So here's a couple of things about that. Whoever had done this, the attack was so bad that they had to have been covered in blood. Like, they're was i mean just blood everywhere doesn't even begin to describe (laughs) it in this case and so it was spattered so badly around the whole room they're like okay Whoever did this either left this house completely drenched in Julia's blood or they washed up before they left. And so they did a test on the drains in the house. So the sinks and the toilets. And turns out that they had not been used that night. So whoever did this had to have left the house completely drenched in blood and no one noticed it. That no way.
2: Yeah. No way. How do you, how can you determine that a toilet has not
1: been used? I, I mean, I don't know. It's 1931. They did some kind of test, Kristen. I okay. don't know. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm they sorry. They didn't find, fa- they found no blood in the drains or and no sign that the, any water had even passed through them that evening. Okay. I don't know. Old timey pipes. I guess you can tell if they're wet or not. Okay. 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 I'm not an old timey plumber. <laughs> you are a modern day plumber. And
2: boy,
3: are you a good
2: one. That's right.
1: <laughs> Call Brandy Egan for all your plumbing needs. So they did a more thorough search looking for this murder weapon because nothing was found at the scene. They searched surrounding yards because this house, if you've looked up the address, you know, it's kind of like a row house. Like it's like, a, yeah. a, you know, there's lots of attached houses to it. And so they checked like the surrounding yards and like the, I don't know, the drainage ditches or whatever and they couldn't find anything they spoke to the wallace's like housekeeper and she told the police that she believed that a metal fire poker was missing and then some kind of iron bar that was Mm. typically in the parlor was also missing so this is what they believed were probably the murder weapon um, one of those items but they again they didn't know how it was no longer in the house where did it go what had been done with it yeah Throughout the investigation, William Wallace talks openly to the police. He doesn't, you know, he speaks very calmly, which they think is very odd, but he doesn't refuse to speak to them or anything. And the detectives, like, thought his demeanor was very odd because he was very unemotional, very flat, but... That's just, according to, you know, people who knew him, that's just how he was. And well, he yeah. recounted, yeah, he recounted to them his whole crazy night about how he'd been on that wild goose chase looking for that address and that call that he'd gotten that message from that RM Qualtro and, and all of that. And so they asked him if there was anyone that he would suspect, you know, that had any ill will towards him or to Julia. And he said, I have no suspicion of anyone. Hmm. And so they were kind of at a stale point. They didn't really know where to go with this case, and so they started. To, they decided they'd follow at a up stale on that. Point? Well, I didn't know. I didn't. Uh, I, I couldn't think of the word I wanted. Kristen, how dare stalemate? you? <laughs> 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 sure, they were at a stalemate. Thank you. I'm sorry. I am being such a dick. I'm being such a difficult woman this episode. I will get
2: it together. That is my You're pledge fine. to you. You're fine. Well, I don't want us to get a, to a stale
1: point in our friendship. That's right. That's right. We got keep to the, keep the fire going. Yeah. <laughs> so they decide they're going to, even though like they didn't know how it could be related, they decided to look into that weird call. And okay. in the next couple of days, they were able to actually track that phone call, which apparently was something they could do in 1931. Which Wait, seems... so that was a real phone call? It wasn't made up by him? It was a real phone call that took place. The phone call came into the chess club just as he said it had, but the phone booth that it came from was just 400 yards from the Wallace's house. Okay. All right. Well, that's ridiculous. (laughs) And, uh,. I think I gave erroneous information earlier. I think I said that the message had been left for him the day before he went to chess club. It was left the day he went to chess club, but asking for a meeting the following day. I apologize for my misspeaking. Hmm. But when Hmm. they traced this call, they found that it was placed from this phone booth that was 400 yards from the house. And that when William Wallace went to chess club, he happened to catch a tram, you know, right by that phone booth. And wow, uh, weird. What a crazy coincidence. And that call had come in, you know, just a couple of minutes before William would have gotten on that tram and headed to Chess Club. Classic case of bad luck, right? (laughs) Just a weird coincidence. And so at this point, the police are like, okay, so he placed the call himself, right? Yeah, of course he did. But according to the guy who took the message at the chess club, he didn't think that it sounded like William Wallace's voice. Well, of course he disguised his voice a little. I mean, come on now. The police, you know, started talking to people who knew the couple and it, it seemed to them that, yes... Wallace had probably made the call himself and had had used it to try and set up an airtight alibi so that he could pull off this murder and look as if he was elsewhere. But the timing, the timing just didn't match up. It seemed that it would have been impossible for him to pull it off. He was seen, you know, he was on a tram in the Minloave Gardens area at 706 and people had seen Julia, several people in fact, had seen Julia alive between 630 and 645 hmm. that night. That would have only given him fifteen minutes to brutally murder his wife, clean himself all up, and then go catch this tram. They just didn't think it was likely so police tried to do a reenactment they got like their youngest fittest officer to do a run through of this Mm mm-hmm and see if he could do it and even he couldn't do it in that amount of time so it's there was no way that a woman had to die just for that exercise though <laughs> <laughs> so, so they oh my gosh so so there was no way this sickly 52 year old man pulled yeah. it off in that time window yeah shit what yes so at this point they're like Hold on, oh, hold Alibi. on, hold on, hold on, Go hold ahead. on. Give me the time
2: frame again of when she was last seen alive okay. and okay.
1: Several people placed her alive between six thirty and six forty five PM. And gotcha. William Wallace arrived in Menlo Gardens on a tram at seven oh six PM. So he would have had like yeah. a maximum of fifteen minutes to pull this off, clean himself all up, nope. ditch the murder weapons. Nope. Yeah, it just doesn't seem possible. Okay, but
2: how many people say they saw her alive? And I mean are are they super sure or just a little
1: sure? Are like what super are we? sure. You know, I don't know. I didn't speak to them personally, Kristen. Seems like you did very little research for this. <laughs> 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 this is so, nuts. Yeah. So the police are like totally befuddled by this. They're like, Okay, he couldn't have done it. And yeah. they try and track down whoever this Qualtro person is. Turns out that doesn't seem to be a real person obviously (laughs) and uh, they thought it looked like whoever had killed Julia had uh, had pulled off the perfect crime yeah a woman was murdered there was no weapon found no plausible suspects no witness to the crime and the body was found in a locked house that's weird yes this is weird despite all of this evidence to his alibi and, you know, not being able to link him anyway to the murder, they decided to move forward and charge him with the murder of his wife. Well, uh, uh, What? Yes. In April of 1931, William Wallace stood trial for the murder of his wife. No. Yeah. They didn't have enough. They had nothing. They had nothing. <sighs> So at this trial, and this was a very short trial, obviously there's no fucking evidence. Well, yeah, so. they didn't have to
2: be like, okay, it's going to take a couple weeks to present Yeah, this no, this was a four-day trial
1: start to finish. Okay. And so at the trial, the prosecution argued that obviously William Wallace had done this and he'd done it naked. so that he would have a lot less cleanup this was like uh, made a huge impression in the courtroom apparently people found this very salacious and (laughs) the thought of this 52 year old man stripping down naked and and murdering his wife but how had he cleaned up the blood off of himself if (sighs) if the drains hadn't been used that night that, that is so ridiculous. Prosecution didn't care to, you know, elaborate on the things that didn't fit their theory. Well, yeah, because um, it was so obvious what it was, happened. Um, so obviously. Uh, yeah. He had so obviously just gotten naked and
2: killed his wife. Yeah. And obviously, I don't have to explain anything because my points are so good. <laughs> That's
1: exactly right. The defense obviously countered this by laying out the timeline and saying, you know, this is when she was last seen. This was the time death. And it was at this time that that uh, that forensic expert uh, had tried to adjust his his timing a little bit to maybe fit yeah. the prosecution's case a little better. Mm-hmm. But obviously that did very little yeah. So yeah so they're like you know the police themselves did a whole reenactment and weren't able to to figure this out so william wallace is just an insurance salesman he's not a wealthy guy but he's being you know charged with murder and he needs like a good defense and so the insurance company that they worked for he worked for prudential and they had like mm-hmm. a labor union or whatever at that time you know Sorry, I didn't look into this that much, and I didn't write any of it down, so this is really very Kristen (laughs) and But he asked them to help fund his defense, like this union that he's a part of. And they did a secret mock trial before agreeing to represent him or pay for his representation to see what a mock jury would decide. And a mock jury found him not guilty. And so they decided to back him and pay for his defense. Hmm. So at this trial... He actually testified in his own defense, but he was very dry on the stand. He spoke very calmly, answered all of the questions very dryly. And some felt that this really had an impact on the jury, that mm-hmm. they thought that his demeanor was odd. Also, yeah. apparently this did not go in his favor. He wore these round rimmed glasses okay. that made him look like Dr. Crippen. Who's Dr. Crippen? You did the case, Kristen. Dr. Holly oh, Crippen. Yes. <laughs> the torso guy. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. my gosh. That was on uh, one of our bonus episodes. So uh, not So he looked heard like case, a literal
2: famous he murderer. He looked like a
1: literal famous murderer. Yes. Bad and luck. so despite the fact that there was no evidence against him, the jury deliberated for... An hour, somewhere between one and four hours, depending on which article you read. And they Mm. found him guilty under a unanimous verdict. Oh, wow. The court clerk announced the verdict and he said, you, William Herbert Wallace, have been convicted of murder upon the verdict of the jury. Have you anything to say why a sentence of death should not be passed upon you according to law? And William Wallace replied, I am not guilty. I can't say anything else. Yeah. William Wallace was sentenced to the mandatory sentence of death by hanging. Oh, and it's 1931. So they did it like three months later, one month later. It was scheduled no. for May of 1931. Good Lord. It was scheduled for one month later. Somehow, though, William Wallace got to quick work of appealing his conviction And just before his execution date, the Court of Criminal Appeal in London looked at his case. And in an unprecedented move, this had never been done before, they overturned the verdict.
2: Wait, they never
1: overturned a murder conviction? They had never overturned a murder conviction on these grounds. Wow. That there was not enough evidence Mm. to prove and justify a verdict of guilty. Yeah. So this is what they said. They said the case against Wallace was not proved with the certainty which is necessary in order to justify a verdict of guilty. Yeah. The result is that this appeal will be allowed and this conviction is quashed. William Herbert Wallace was a free man. They did not retry him for the murder. Well, yeah, because they didn't have new evidence. They also. had no new evidence. Yeah. Would you uh, I'm I'm like on the edge of my seat. What is next? So this was huge news, obviously. Well yeah the press went crazy. The details of the case, the the accusations of him, you know, committing this murder against his wife that turns out to be the perfect murder. All of these headlines, one headline says he called him the chess player they couldn't checkmate. Oh, okay, that is stupid. It's <laughs> <is> very stupid. <laughs> to huh. this day. This case remains unsolved. That is fascinating. They never found out any any more details. There's been lots of theories floated around, one including that there was this man that the Wallaces knew fairly well who had some kind of like did some nefarious deeds in his free time. And there was a theory that William Wallace had paid him to carry out the murder Uh because he... May have been trusted by Julia enough that she would have let him in the house. That was the big sticking point, is that either someone had a key or whoever committed this murder knew Julia enough that she would have let them in the house. Yeah. And she didn't let anyone in the house. But they actually looked into that guy, and he seemed to have an alibi for that night as well. What was it? I don't know. Okay.
2: Yeah, I... I feel like surely the husband was involved on some level. Yeah, but how? How did he do it? I think either... Either he had someone help him, just like you said. Yeah. Or, like, the thing about the pipes weren't wet, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm just wondering if, like, somebody wasn't truly an expert in what they said they were. And so, like he got a little more help yeah than than he should have yeah yeah
1: i mean it's definitely possible cuz you just you have to wonder about motive you know yeah yeah i mean obviously but there didn't seem to be any great Great motive for William Wallace to kill his wife, other than they had some kind of strained, loveless marriage.
2: Do you know he didn't how stand to many gain hus- anything from it? Brandy, do you know how many husbands
1: murder their wives? No, like, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. mean, it happens. It happens. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So William Wallace was a free man. He decided to, you know, obviously the press was like constantly at his door and he hated it. And so he moved away to a different part of Liverpool, got like a little quiet bungalow. But he only lived for like two more years before he died of those kidney troubles. Hmm. Wow. And uh, yeah, so this is often described as like the second biggest unsolved crime in London history um or little jack in history yeah a little a little guy called jack the ripper might be number one <laughs> hmm. but yeah there's been all kinds of people have written all kinds of books about it and theorized about who who really did it but it seems to be either the perfect murder or the impossible murder that is fascinating yeah absolutely fascinating oh that was so good yeah i thought it was a great one thank you to casey for sending that sending that over to me thank you casey what do you think happened? Gosh. Um, yeah, I think it's probably likely that he to me, the most plausible theory is that he paid someone to kill his wife. There's another theory that it was the neighbors that did it, which oh, I don't think on. that there's really anything. But the neighbors had a key to the house is the only reason that kind of got floated around. Yeah. And they would have had a lot of time to like do it and then clean it up. Like the call could have been placed to, to lure William Wallace out of the house uh-huh. while they did it. But what would they have stood to gain from it?
0: according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average, based on twenty percent below average MSRP from all twenty twenty-three Grand Cherokee Overland four by e and Summit four by e models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by four one. Jeep is a registered trademark.
2: Well, seems we're both covering cases this week from across the pond. Excellent. Say. I hate it when people say that. <laughs>
1: i told you the thing that my dad said about london right about her middle name what'd he say (laughs) so david's last name is pond so london will be london pond and my dad said you know what her middle name should be across the across the
2: (laughs) there are no bad ideas in brainstorming brandy i think you gotta throw that in the old hat. you know i don't think so it's not too late
1: um, I don't think so.
2: Did you hear that Amy Schumer and her husband had to rename their baby? No. Because they named him first name Gene. Yeah. Middle name Attel, as in Dave Attell. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until, I don't know how old their baby is at this point, but. It, but that looks like genital? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like genital. Until oh, my gosh. <laughs> so they changed it. <laughs> Okay. You ready to talk about some Royals brandy? Let's talk about some titties. Okay. That's rude. <laughs> you keep up with Royal news, right? You're into yeah, it. I you know some. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like the Royals. The Kansas big... City Royals. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> no, you like Meghan Markle no. and stuff, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. Here we go. It was the summer of 2012. Kate Middleton, the Duchess of Cambridge, and Prince William had been married for a little over a year when they took a little holiday to oh my God, there's a bunch of French words in this, so oh no good, everybody just <laughs> hang on tight to Provence, France, Provence they read uh-huh. at- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for all French words, I will be Keenan Thompson in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> They were at this amazing 640-acre estate when the couple went out onto the terrace of the guest house where they were staying. William was in his swim trunks, and Kate was in a bikini. You know, they just wanted to get some sun, so they laid out, and Kate took off her bikini top. No big deal, right? She and her husband were alone. Completely alone. Except... They weren't completely alone. Turns out Mm, a member or maybe members of the paparazzi were hidden half a mile away and they had long range lenses on their cameras. So gosh,
1: half a mile. Yes. Can you quite the fucking zoom lens? Yes. Can you fucking believe this? Half a mile away. Oh my gosh.
2: So, without her knowledge or consent, obviously, the paparazzi took these half-naked pictures of Kate Middleton. Almost immediately, the paparazzi went around to the British tabloids and they were like, ha ha ha, I've got chopless photos of the future Queen of England. Who wants them? And the British tabloids were like, not us. We really? Are- yes. Yes. They were like, we are not interested at all. Okay, that shocked the shit out of me. So it sounds yeah. like it shocks
1: you. Why does yes, it shock you? Yes, I find you? that very shocking. I mean, because what's more salacious than that? Like the I, but even that's too bad for the British tabloids. Yeah, I mean the British tabloids are pretty bad. I know, I know.
2: <laughs> that's why I was like, holy shit. Okay, so let's pause here to talk a little bit about British tabloids and their relationship with the royal family. Um, Specifically, I want to look at the paparazzi's relationship with Prince William's mother, the late Princess Diana. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the paparazzi hounded Diana. Paparazzi. Oh, my God. I was singing that all day yesterday. (laughs) I I can't help it. You you say paparazzi and then it's like all day long. (laughs) Oh, Lady Gaga. So catchy. So... Her marriage to Prince Charles garnered an audience of like 750 million viewers. And from that moment on, the paparazzi tracked her every move. After she and Charles divorced, paparazzi continued to follow her. She was the most photographed person in the world. Wow. Which sounds like a fucking nightmare.
1: That does sound like a nightmare. A photo of Princess
2: Diana meant a huge payday for the paparazzi. I didn't write any of this down, but like some of them went for like hundreds of thousands of pounds. One went for over a million pounds. I mean, that's that is just nuts for a
1: photo. It's pretty heavy. Million pounds. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And then they
2: somehow converted that into money. I don't know how. But Diana hated the relentless attention. She famously shouted at one of the paparazzi, you make
1: my life hell. Sometimes. I mean, ultimately, they led to her death. Spoiler alert. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought everybody knew. (laughs) No one knows.
2: They're finding out right now. (laughs) No. So sometimes she'd come around a corner, see them and then just start crying. The paparazzi referred to these moments when she cried and told them to leave her alone
1: as her loon attacks oh my gosh yeah because it's crazy to want your privacy yeah because it's crazy
2: to go off on people yeah they were wow. douchebags they were complete
1: yeah. douchebags Kristen, you got like a bird losing its mind outside your window? Yes, I do. Can you hear it? <laughs> I can hear it. Yes. Yeah, the birds are
2: out <laughs> in full force right now. They are going crazy.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, these
2: headphones. I swear.
1: I know that's I can't wait until we record normally again and we don't have to wear fucking headphones all I the know. time. They keep I sliding sound like off like such my head. fucking babies. <laughs> yeah, these headphones are so terrible. No one has this We're tragedy really worse suffering than suffering in this
3: time.
2: <laughs> you know, I think a bunch of the frontline workers are going to listen to this podcast, and they're just going to start crying when they, they hear. Feel so bad about rides. the sacrifices that we are having to make.
1: That's right, and my hair's all smashed.
2: <laughs> and you guys. I've been deep conditioning my hair like crazy and these headphones are just sliding off. <laughs> but we all make sacrifices. That's right. oh, my God. oh, we're ridiculous. <laughs> Should we tell people we're kidding just for like the one down? Of dumb, course dumb? we're
1: please. We're we're of course we're kidding. Oh my goodness. Brandy's
2: not. I'm kidding, but Brandy's not. I am I so, am kidding. Please let her know how you feel about that. Stop it. <laughs> You how know dare what? you? Ugh, my memory is so bad. What was it you were saying before we hit record about how you're better than doctors? <laughs> <laughs> I would never say that. I mean, I know we were recording, so I, I mean, you'll have to say it now again. <laughs> I would
1: never say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh.
2: you know, Diana hated this constant hounding from the paparazzi but there wasn't much that the royal family could do. They were public figures. Of course they would be photographed. They were just expected to deal with it. But over time, Diana came to feel differently. Yeah, she'd become a public figure, but she hadn't signed up for this. The constant hounding and invasion of her privacy was unlike anything any royal had ever experienced. Technology had outpaced the old rules. Surely she had some rights. See, I think this is the problem with like, you see this with, um, I don't know, like cases like cyberbullying, revenge porn, all this stuff, like all of our old laws or our old ways of doing things are just useless in the face of technological changes. Yeah. So obviously Royals had always been expected to put up with this shit, but... No one had had to deal with what she was dealing with before. Being the most photographed person on earth? That is crazy. That is crazy. So in 1993, Princess Diana was working out at an L.A. fitness. And she didn't realize it. But the gym owner, Bryce Taylor, was secretly taking photos of her as she worked out. He then sold those photos to a British tabloid, and then an American tabloid, and then a tabloid in New Zealand. Bryce Taylor made a lot of money off of those photos. But he messed with the wrong princess. Because after years of putting up with constant invasions of her privacy, Princess Diana decided to fight back with a lawsuit. Yeah. So she sued the gym, she sued the Mirror Group newspapers, and she sued Bryce Taylor. You're going to love this, Brandy.
1: Uh, It settled out of court.
2: (laughs) So in 1994, the gym settled. Damn it! (laughs) But Bryce held out. He refused to hand over the money he'd made off of those photos. And the Mirror Group newspapers also held out. It looked mm. like they were headed for a trial, which would have been fucking bonkers because the last time a member of the royal family had even testified in court had been in 1891. When oh my the, gosh. Yes, and it was just when like the Prince of Wales testified in a friend's libel case. You know, it wasn't some big thing. Yeah. But Diana wanted to fight back. She was willing to go to court. But with one week... Until the case was scheduled to go to court, little Bricey and the tabloids settled with Princess Diana. So, okay. I think you're going to be okay with this. Obviously, it was a confidential settlement, but like with all things royal, the details have leaked. So I can tell you some stuff.
1: Okay, good. I was going to be pissed.
2: (laughs) Here's what people say the settlement was. They say the tabloids paid all of Princess Diana's legal costs, which were insane. I mean, we're talking like a million pounds and donated 200,000 pounds to the charities of her choice. Bryce Taylor had to fork over the 300 pounds that he'd made off the photos and he had to apologize. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. What? I hate forced apologies. Yeah, I do, too. I mean, can you possibly be less sincere than that? Exactly. It's been two years and you're just now settling. Yeah. Um, get ready to get even more grossed out. Oh, good. So, you know, that's the rumored settlement. But here's the rumor on top of the rumor. The rumor is that the royal family was so desperate to keep this thing from going to trial that they actually gave Bryce the 300,000 pounds which he then handed over to Princess Diana in the settlement. Wow. Yeah. So really, he, he took no, assuming this is true, he took no punishment for this. Yeah. And this thing never went to court. Wow. At, at any rate, the important thing to know is that Princess Diana was engaged in a public battle with the paparazzi and the tabloids. And then, of course, two years later, on August 31st, 1997, she was in a fatal car accident. She and her fiance, their bodyguard and driver, were being chased by paparazzi. Earlier in the night, they'd tried to use a decoy vehicle to throw the paparazzi off their scent, but of course it didn't work. In the wee hours of the morning, they were driving through the, oh boy, Pont de Alama. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that's absolutely how it's pronounced. <laughs> They were driving through a tunnel going about double the speed limit when the driver lost control of the vehicle and crashed into a pole. Like I said, paparazzi had been following them. And when they saw the crash, some of them rushed over to help and some of them rushed over to take pictures. Yeah. Yeah. So what is said is that like, you know, some rushed over to try to get the doors open to try to, you know, get people out and then. You know, when they got the doors open, that's when other members of the paparazzi leaned in and were taking photos. Which is just mm. disgusting. And of course all that film was confiscated as it should have been. So the driver, Henry Paul, and Princess Diana's fiance, I think it's Dodi Fayed, D O D I, died on the scene. And the bodyguard, Rever Reese Jones, survived and Princess Diana died later at the hospital. A French investigation into the crash found that the driver was solely responsible. Henry had been drinking, and he'd apparently been using prescription drugs, and that the paparazzi were not responsible. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, how do you feel about that?
1: Um, I mean, it's not great that the driver was under the influence, but... Uh, I think the paparazzi definitely played a role.
2: Yeah. And this could be a whole other episode and maybe it will be one day because there's a lot more court stuff. This is just the French investigation. There was another investigation that did, you know, assign some responsibility to the paparazzi for this episode. I'm just focusing on how her death impacted British tabloids, because even though the initial investigation put all the blame on the driver, that's not how the public saw it. And that's certainly not how Diana's family saw it. A 1997 Gallup poll showed that 43% of respondents in the UK thought that the photographers were extremely responsible for the car crash. People hated the tabloids in the days after Mm -hmm. Diana's death. And the Mirror and the Sun had their lowest sales figures since 1962. Wow. Yep. So, the tabloids had to do something. So, after her death, the Press Complaints Commission revised its code of practice. They said they were going to set the toughest press regulations in all of Europe. So, here are some of the new rules. You ready? Yep. Photographers could no longer use long lens cameras to take pictures of people in private places without their consent. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, you know, until this point, there'd been a lot of talk about what is a private place versus what's a public place. But there were no actual definitions. But after Diana's death, we got one. Oh, wow. A private place was now, quote, public or private property where there is a reasonable expectation of privacy. I should mention, by the way, um, a lot of this comes from a wonderful article I read in
1: Vogue. Also, I'm sorry. Hold on. I'm sorry. You cut out. Where did you read the article? Vogue.
2: Vogue magazine. I'm familiar. Ever heard of Vogue, Brandy? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Also, if publications were to ignore these rules, the editors should be held responsible. It wouldn't matter if the photos were taken by staff members or by freelancers. The responsibility would fall
1: on the editor,
2: which I think is good.
1: Yeah. Because ultimately, they make the call, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The public
2: was really happy about the revisions to these rules, and they were especially happy about the new rules in regard to children. So, you know, obviously, I'm not getting into everything, but basically, William and Harry became off limits to the paparazzi. Just because they had famous parents didn't mean that the paparazzi could keep following them around. Under these new guidelines, if an unofficial photo was taken of a child, there had to be a reason. And the reason couldn't just be, oh, this kid has famous parents and we think it'll sell more magazines. Which I think is a pretty good rule.
1: Yeah, it's a great rule.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, correct me. Your good buddy Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, they've, they've like...
1: Yeah, they've hard sued the stance tabloids. Yeah, they've actually, they've, they've, yeah, dealt with the tabloids a lot because they, I don't know if they've actually sued them. I, I said that and then I'm going to backtrack on that right away. Okay. But they've made a, a lot of public statements about the tabloids because like specifically they took a picture of Dak Shepard like with a woman that he dated casually years before he ever met Kristen Bell uh-huh. and published it with a whole story about how he was cheating on her with oh. this woman. And, like, the timeline 100% doesn't match up. Yeah. And, like, the woman in the picture sold the tabloids that picture for, you know, an exorbitant amount of money. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, F her. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that'll be a real unpopular
2: take, but I don't like that. (laughs)
3: Right. (laughs) Well,
2: seriously, get a fucking life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... For years, William and Harry were left alone, but then they became grown men, Mm -hmm. and they were no longer protected by these rules. And of course, by this point, it had been years since Diana's death, and the tabloids had kind of loosened up some of these restrictions that they'd put on themselves. Mm -hmm. For example... Shortly after Princess Diana died, the Daily Mail was like, Hear ye, hear ye, we pledge to never publish another paparazzi photo ever. Which, I mean, obviously, I don't know how long that lasted maybe two seconds. Right. So, in 2003, when Prince William began dating Kate Middleton, the paparazzi was all over them. You know, here they are, this young, hot couple. Prince Harry started hitting the club, and the paparazzi were all over him. Oh, God. Do you remember when he dressed up as a Nazi for Halloween? Yes. Ugh. Over the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah not-, not
1: good. Why do people do that? I don't know. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. Maybe he dressed as Charlie Chaplin and he took his hat off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I saw the picture that was a full Nazi uniform. <laughs> That's a bit from, I don't know, some sitcom. It's, from the, it's from, the it op- from the Office. Is it from The Office? I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah.
2: Over the years, things got worse, and the paparazzi became progressively more invasive. In 2009, Kate Middleton was playing tennis. She had no idea she was being photographed, but apparently she was. And the photos went everywhere. Can you imagine? You're playing, yeah, No. Like, who wants I mean, although OK, mm, rude. Never mind. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I was just about to say, who wants photos of someone playing tennis? What could be more boring? But then I remembered, do you know the photo of Donald Trump playing tennis that's all over the Internet? Yeah, with this big ass. Uh, yeah. I, and then I thought, <laughs> you know, there's a lot to make fun of there, but I don't need to make fun of his body. But I mean, man, y- you can totally see those tidy whities, the lines. I mean, it's.
1: <laughs> I think there's plenty to make fun of Donald Trump. We don't have to talk about his tidy whities or his <laughs> sizable, sizable rump. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Very, very low hanging fruit. These are, these are the
2: guidelines for our podcast. That's right. You guys think we don't have any standards? Well, we do, and they're very low. We won't make fun of Donald Trump's underpants or his butt. You know, these photos went everywhere. Obviously, it's against the rules. I assume she was somewhere private, you know. Yada, yada. So the royal family wanted to do something. So they reached out to a lawyer named Gerard Tyrell. And Gerard got on his megaphone and he was like, Hey, douche lords, you know you're not supposed to take long lens pictures of people in private situations. So, you know, cut it out. Consider this a warning. If you do it again, the royals will sue your asses. Mm-hmm. And that's all a direct quote. And also, yes. <laughs> it's what we in the writing biz call foreshadowing. <laughs> So fast forward to the case that brought us here today. Was that the longest detour I've ever taken us on?
1: It was. It was great, though. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. You're pointing out the window,
2: you know, waving. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. So it's 2012, and topless photos of Kate Middleton are being shopped around to the British tabloids. And, you know, maybe because of the relatively recent crackdown, or maybe because of how Princess Diana died, or... And there's no shot in hell of this. Maybe because of ethics, they all said no. They did not want those photos. But what was the poor paparazzi to do, Brandy? They'd gone Mm. to all that trouble to get those pictures, and now the British tabloids wouldn't buy them.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Poor paparazzi, really?
2: Yeah, just imagine. First of all, can you imagine... If that's how you make your living, you go hide in the bushes half a mile away from someone's it's vacation not, villa and you take half naked photos of them.
1: Not my dream job. I'll tell you that. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: what is your dream job, Randy? Uh, Podcaster. <laughs> no, for real. Is it? No. I mean, I enjoy this very much. No. Um, wow, ouch. No. I mean, I love doing this. Mm hmm. I wouldn't call it, i mean i never like it does i enjoy it so much that it doesn't feel like a job Kristen. okay you don't
2: have to kiss my big ass through my tidy yeah, I think wash my, i think
1: my dream job would be interior decorator oh my gosh you should go do it i mean i'm a hairstylist i do great i love that well <laughs> but if it's your dream job go do your dream
2: job <laughs> I enjoy my job very much. Yeah, but... It's not like I do a job that I hate and... I understand. I understand. But you only get one life, Brandy. Okay. (laughs) No, I think... I don't
1: know. I was thinking about this today. I feel like... You're living your dream already?
2: Kind of. Aw, isn't that sweet? Well, like, you know, I love writing books and I'm writing books. Now, I haven't published one, so I guess that would be the real dream. But, like, writing
1: books and podcasting with you, like man yeah feels I like know I'm I I love doing hair and I love doing this podcast it's it's great that's why like yes if I had to pick another job or like that's yeah for a long time I've said my dream job would be to be an interior decorator just because I like the idea of getting to decorate using other people's money well hell yeah sounds wonderful <laughs> I said hell yeah I would hate that why I don't know I don't want to
2: I don't want to have to go meet people talk to them about what they <laughs> like
1: yeah you don't love the the interfacing with the other people <laughs> I'm just like that difficult woman in your case who like you, are, you are a difficult woman <laughs> I mean I have to I, like, yeah, that's what my job is, like I do that all day, just the people come to me, yeah, 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 I got gotcha, you I got gotcha. you so talk, talking to the people does not bother me, you know what's oddly enough, I don't like doing though what. This is so ridiculous because I talk to strangers all day long for my job. Mm-hmm. I don't like calling people on the phone. I hate it. Oh, I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah.
2: I don't mind calling people on the phone. Huh. You want to be my assistant?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you like talking on the phone? I don't know. I get really anxious when I have to make like a business phone call. I don't like it. Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know what it is about it. Like I do fine. I'm very professional. Well, like, sure. You've never like. Can you imagine? You just shout something out. You shouldn't.
2: I'm on the toilet.
1: You know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even on the toilet. It just comes out. I just. I really don't enjoy it.
2: I don't know why. Okay. Okay. You're a very mysterious woman, Brandy. I am. Okay. Try to crack this egg. <laughs> so. You know the poor paparazzi, as you've said, they tried to sell these photos to the. I'm br- sorry, I said they were the poor paparazzi. Yeah, <laughs> no, those those were your words. I'm just quoting. Direct them back quote. To you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what they ended up doing was selling them to a French tabloid called Closer, or Closer. I don't know. Depends on how you say it. I, it's Closer. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're the closer. You know. <laughs> Remember that show with Kira Knightley?
1: I think it's like getting you not Kira Knightley to celebrities.
2: Okay, yeah, you're you're absolutely one hundred percent right. Yes. (laughs) So closer was thrilled. They had topless, non-consensual photos of Kate Middleton. What more could you want in life? Oh my gosh! Yep, yep. Not total pile of shits at all. So before they printed the photos, they ran a teaser. Here's what it said. The future Queen of England, such as you have never seen her and such that you will never see her again. (sighs) Okay, so that, yeah, Kate and William, of course, heard about this and they were furious and they tried to stop the magazine, but it was too late. Soon, closer, closer, closer. I'm sorry, it's in my head Is Closer, and, you know, we can't stop this train. Soon, Closer ran the photos under the headline, Only in Closer, Kate and William, their very hot holidays in Provence. Kate and William Hmm. were super upset. As soon as the pictures ran, the palace issued a statement. Here's part of what it said. Their Royal Highnesses have been hugely saddened to learn that a French publication and a photographer have invaded their privacy in such a grotesque and totally unjustifiable manner. The incident is reminiscent of the worst excesses of the press and paparazzi during the life of Diana, Princess of Wales, and all the more upsetting to the Duke and Duchess for being so. Their Royal Highnesses had every expectation of privacy in the remote house. It is unthinkable that anyone should take these photographs, let alone publish them. Officials acting on behalf of their royal highnesses are consulting with lawyers to consider what options may be available to the Duke and Duchess. So So what options are available? Well, (laughs) a couple. So Kate and William consulted with lawyers and they got an injunction barring the photos from being spread any further. The French court basically said, hey, you guys are right. These photos were highly intrusive, and you had every right to think that you were alone. So Kate and William won their civil complaint, but here's the shitty thing. It didn't really matter, because even after they got the injunction, the photos continued to appear in quite a few different European publications, and, more importantly, in my opinion, they were all over the internet. You know? Mm -hmm. So... uh, Anyway, so they looked themselves in the mirror, and they said, let's go let's to court. court, court. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly synchronized. They filed a criminal lawsuit for breach of privacy. Closer was stunned. I'm
1: sorry. Say it again without me laughing. I apologize. No,
2: it's okay. I, were you laughing at my huge pause? Yes. Okay. I was thinking about whether I should say something. I think I'm going to go ahead and say it. Okay. I'm going to say international case disclaimer, which is a thing I hate to say, but I have to say it because there's there's a lot of good court stuff here. I think a lot of the most de- detailed articles are in French, and so I found a lot of good British articles and you know just other articles in english yeah. but it's mostly kind of written after the fact so what gotcha. i'm saying is i did my best here all right very good all right so you know they filed this criminal lawsuit for breach of privacy and closer was stunned they were like oh they just a minute <laughs> that, was <terrible. laughs> that was terrible that was terrible <laughs> these photographs we selected were very tasteful (laughs) that was terrible (laughs) can you tell i've never been to france (laughs) or to canada (laughs) okay here's what they honest to god said are you ready for some grade a bullshit i am i'm holding
1: on to my overalls (laughs) Um, should we talk about the fact that we're dressed the same today? I know. We had, we, so we did a video call this morning. Oh my God. um, And (laughs) with a third party involved. Yeah, a third party who does not know us. Who does not know us. Yes. It's, (laughs) we have a, we both have black shirts with white stripes. We looked like
2: <laughs> we looked like a dorky, cu- like family from the '90s who's all dressed the same on the beach. Only it's not even like you know those photos. are like let's all wear jeans and white t-shirts. No, we're wearing like yeah. the exact same top, exactly it's the same. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are trying to get people to take us seriously. That's right. <laughs> We're dressed like a set of five-year-old twins. We're the devilment twins. <laughs> okay, so here's what they said. The photographs we have selected are by no means degrading. They show a beautiful, in-love, modern, holidaying couple in their normal life. The article reports on the couple's recent stay in the south of France.
1: Her tits are out! Exactly. Exactly. That's, no, that's not acceptable. That's not tasteful. That's nothing. No, that's not allowed. Well, and
2: by no means degrading. First of all, who gives a shit about what you think is degrading? I'd love to see your tits out there, ma'am. that's
1: not your call to make.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Was that not where you thought that was going? Me demanding to see the tits of some random person? (laughs) I do wonder, though, because, like, a lot of their defense is just like, no, no, it's fine. These are very flattering photos. It's like, all right. It says you. It's not your call to make. Yeah, how about you get half naked, assume you're alone, and then we'll take some pictures, blast them all over the internet, and see how you like it. Yeah. Anyway. So, you know, obviously, they made an excellent point. There was no harm done, unless you hate love, you know, in which case... (laughs) So it took years for this thing to go to trial. Everyone expected it to be settled out of court because obviously the royals hardly ever sue anybody. They don't want the scandal. But William in particular seemed like he was ready for a fight. He did not want his... Was he ready to rumble? He was ready to rumble because he did not want his wife to get a taste of what had happened to his mom. Of course. Yeah. So in an interview about his mom's life, he said... Very sadly, a lot of my memories revolve around trying to cheer her up. I believe she cried, more to do with the press intrusion than anything else in her life. The impact it was having on her that we could then see and feel was very difficult to understand. She was subjected to treatment that, frankly, nowadays, people would find utterly appalling.
1: Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah.
2: In other words, he wasn't putting up with this shit and neither was Kate. It took five years, but finally, in May of 2017, the trial began. Wow. Uh, Kate and William asked for 1.5 million euros, which apparently is like an insane ask. I guess French courts, from what I've read, really don't award much in cases like these, like not much at all. And one say so that doesn't sound like that much money to me. I don't think so either. I mean, I read it and was like, well, yeah. Topless photos without her consent that are now everywhere? Sure. Yeah. 1.5 mil sounds just about right, if not low. But in a French court, this was kind of a crazy thing to ask for. The couple's legal team argued that the photos were obviously a gross invasion of privacy. So William and Kate never appeared in court, but William did send a statement to be read at a hearing. And here's part of what it said. In September 2012, my wife and I thought that we could go to France for a few days in a secluded villa owned by a member of my family and thus enjoy our privacy. We know France and the French, and we know they are, in principle, respectful of private life, including that of their guests. The clandestine way in which these photographs were taken was particularly shocking to us as it breached our privacy. Yes, it fucking did. Yes, it did. So there were six people named in the lawsuit. They were a mix of magazine editors and photographers. I believe it was three photographers and three, you know, higher-ups. And, of course, they all denied any wrongdoing. The defense essentially argued that when you're a member of the royal family, you have no private life. Your public life and private life are inseparable. One of the lawyers for Closer got closer. (laughs)
1: Was Paul Albert? uh, What? uh, What?
3: uh,
1: What? Uh, Uh, You (laughs) know, who who argued that when you're a royal, uh, your private life and your public life are the same thing? The defense. So yeah, that that doesn't pertain to your naked body. Um.
2: Well, (laughs) I guess they would argue that if you're outside and you're this famous person that you've basically signed away your rights to any kind of privacy. That's that's mm-hmm. what I imagine is okay, the argument. Well, that's fucking bullshit. Absolutely I'm here to tell you. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, okay. I'm sorry. Continue on. I think when you thrust yourself into the limelight, which I don't know, being born into a royal family, you're not really thrusting yourself. It's not the same. It's exactly. not quite the same, but even even still, even if like you choose the life yeah. You should still have that, some reasonable expectation of privacy. And certainly yeah. when it comes to like nudity and stuff. I mean, that's just yes. crazy. Yes. So here we go. Buckle up, folks, because it gets grosser. So one of the lawyers for closer was Paul Albert Ewens I W E I N S I don't know. And his genius point was that those photos were flattering and that they were a matter of public interest. Here's what he said at the hearing. It's of public interest to know that future heirs to the throne have a solid relationship and are getting on well. It's all part of the royal business. Uh no. Yeah, so we as the What? P- we as the public have the right to We're oh that's so
1: ridiculous. Yeah. So, like I said, three photographers were named in the lawsuit. Where, if if that's their argument, where is the line? Like, had they decided to have sex while they were out there in view of these long-range cameras? Oh, you
2: know they would have taken those photos. I
1: I agree. Like, that's unacceptable.
2: Oh no, no, Brandy. But you know, what if the photos were like flattering, and um, you know, they're a matter of not their call to make. No. For some reason, it makes me so much more mad, this idea of like, well, it's a flattering shot. Who gives a shit? Yeah. That's not your call. No, exactly. So, like I said, Mm. oh, are you okay? (laughs) I'm fine. Sorry. Continue. Three photographers were named in the lawsuit. Valerie Swau admitted to taking the topless photos of Kate, but told the court that she didn't intend to breach Kate's privacy. Which, again, it's like, well, what would be a breach of privacy? Yeah. Uh, The other two photographers were like, we didn't do anything. But the attorneys for Kate and William were like, okay, but we've got cell phone data that shows you were near the chateau while Kate and William were vacationing there. So, you know, is that just a wild coincidence? Come on.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Ultimately, the court sided with Kate and William. Those photos had constituted an invasion of privacy. A judge ordered the magazine to pay the couple about 100,000 euros and ordered Closer's editor, Lawrence Pugh, and Closer's owner, Ernesto Mari, to both pay the maximum fine of 45,000 euros. In other words, everybody, including the photographers, had to pay up. Good. Yeah, of course. Like I said, for a French court, these were very high fines. And Closer's Mm -hmm. legal team was pissed. They said that the fines were excessive for a privacy case. So what do you think they did? They fucking appealed it, I'm sure. They sure did. They sure did. But they lost. Hey! Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) So, you know, in the appeal, the, the court upheld all the fines and they dismissed the editor's appeal. So the prosecution must have just been pissed that this came back to court because... The prosecutor was like, okay, judge, not only do we think that everyone should have to pay their fines, like it was decided before, but we actually think maybe we went a little too low on the photographers, because the photographers only had to pay 5,000 euros and another 5,000 euros if they got caught doing this kind of thing again. So the prosecution was like, now that we're back here for appeal, why don't you make their punishments harsher? But that didn't happen. The court just upheld the previous judgment. I looked all over the place, hoping that Kate Middleton had made some kind of statement about this. If she has, I didn't find it. Mm -hmm. But this was a big victory. It was something that, I mean, is kind of unprecedented. And I'm happy they did it. And that's the story of the royal family fighting back against fucking paparazzi. I was not familiar with that at all. You know, I really wasn't either. And I was shocked that I don't know, you know, I know nothing about the French court system. I don't know if maybe they don't allow media in during the course of a trial because I couldn't find any kind of update articles, which makes me think that maybe they don't allow that. But yeah, it's like this, this story made a big splash in 2017 when the court verdict came out. It made a tiny little splash when the appeal came through Uh Um, but I just I think it's fascinating and I'm so glad that they fought back yeah
1: yeah I just think that yeah them thinking that like oh you're a royal you're in the limelight like you're in the public eye it's public interest like that you don't get to say that about someone's body no no there's some line somewhere absolutely absolutely and I think
2: to me it really does come down to this is Kristen's rules. If if it's reasonable for someone to think that they're alone. Then you shouldn't be taking photos of them. Yeah. You know, if they're out and about and OK, you know, they're at a public event. Obviously, they expect to be photographed, you know, whatever. But they thought they were completely alone. Yeah. Mm. Bullshit. Bullshit. I'm over it. It's fine. Me
1: too. I've moved on with my life.
0: (laughs) In the last
2: two minutes,
1: I've moved
0: on. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Oh gosh, should we take some questions from the Discord?
1: Yeah, yeah, you want to read some questions? Yeah, I'll read some questions. You tell them how to get in. Okay, to get in our Discord, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash Podcast and join at the $5 level or $7 level. At the $5 level, you get into the Discord, you get bonus episodes, and in the Discord, you chat with us, which is pretty exciting. Um, if you <laughs> join it? at the 7th. Seven- it can be. Sometimes not as much. Um, <laughs> at the $7 level, you get all of that, plus you get a, a monthly bonus video, and you get a card and a sticker, and a, it's a whole thing. It's a, whole, a thing. whole thing. That's right. Okay.
2: Oh, and you get inducted. Duh. <laughs> Duh, people. Come on. Okay. I Oh, I like this question. Buresh asks, how did you break the news to friends and family about Little Miss London?
1: Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm going to tell how I told you because yeah. you were like the first person other than David that I told.
2: As uh, it should because be.
1: Because like- I was there <laughs> the whole time. Sorry. That's
2: gross. <laughs> that's <laughs> disgusting. I was there with my well, long lens like <laughs>
1: camera. We we recorded like the day after I took my pregnancy test and yeah, yeah I we were just like at your house. <laughs> I remember this so clearly. I do too. Norm. Norm was like walking out of the room mm-hmm. he was walking up the stairs and I was like yeah so I have some news and you're like what what's up and I was like I'm fucking pregnant yeah. and Norm froze as if someone had just like threatened his life oh my gosh. Norm gets so <laughs> weird about
2: people being pregnant it's like it's not <laughs> contagious man it's fine right.
1: yes. oh. and then you and I hugged and cried yeah. and it was amazing <laughs>
2: I, I still remember like I was tying my shoes so I was sitting <laughs> yes. down and I was just, I was looking at my shoes and then you said you were pregnant and it was like instant tears. Yes. Instant, I mean, it was so exciting. So exciting.
1: So exciting. Yes. Ugh. Oh, no. Oh. So exciting.
2: I've been thinking a lot about it. No, uh, it's not much longer. No. I know it's not. It's not. <sighs> Let's have her on the podcast. All the time. (laughs) She'll be raised around these terrible stories and two cursing women. What could go wrong? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Nicole B. wants to know, do y'all know why your parents gave you your specific name? Were you almost named
1: something different? Mm. Hmm. I don't think that I was almost named anything else. I think it was always going to be Brandy. And I'm named after the song. Brandy, you're a fine, girl. What a good wife you would be.
2: Ba-na-na-na. That's that's my jam. Um yeah, my my story is not that exciting. It's, you know, they they decided on Michelle. But then I think the story is that my dad like some lady started working with him at work and he didn't like her and her name was Michelle. <laughs> so then he was like, "I don't
1: really like that name anymore." And so then it became <laughs> Kristen.
2: Great story, I know.
1: Yeah, my grandma did not like that uh, they named me Brandy, uh, my mom's mom, um, because if I wanted to become a senator, that would not be a respectable name. Mm. (laughs) And I see
2: that you are not a senator, so... Uh, And it's the reason that I am not a senator. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. Ooh, Melinda asks, if you could plan a fun vacation together, where would you go? Oh, my gosh.
1: Uh, oh, my gosh. So many places. I know. We've talked about so many places. I want to go to New York City really bad because I've only ever been for work, not for fun. That's like one of my top of the list Uh huh. things. I also think that we'd all like the four of us would have a really good time going to Colorado. We've talked about that oh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, because we both love Colorado so much. I mean, there are
2: so many places I would love to go. Like, uh, I think it would be so cool to go to Europe together. I mean, oh my gosh! Yes. Then I can insult the French face to face by mispronouncing stuff. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be real cool with that. Yes. No, I. You and I both love to travel, so yeah. And we don't get yeah. to do it much, so it would be really, really cool. We, basically, we'd go anywhere. I mean, Anywhere. we went to freaking yeah. Branson
1: and we had a blast. So, And we had a blast. Yeah. So if you've got an invite, just send it our way. <laughs> 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 oh, you got to ask this one from your cousin.
2: Hey, Jenny. So Jay Shippard asks, please help Rob and I end the great debate. So that's her husband. Is it remote or channel changer? Okay, let's remote. Definitely. Remote. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Remote.
1: Uh, some people call it the clicker, too. That drives well, me
2: crazy. Well, those people are nuts. Remote um (laughs) vacuum or sweeper
1: vacuum vacuum yeah vacuum for sure soda or pop soda uh yeah i say soda now i did not say soda when i was younger though did you say pop i don't know when i I think i did say pop back in the day i don't know when i transitioned to soda but i definitely say soda now yeah i mean these are all regional things i'm I'm okay with most things the only
2: thing i'm not okay with is when people say coke as like the catch-all for all soda
1: yeah That's kind of a Midwest thing. Well, people are wrong.
2: (laughs) I hate to tell you. Okay. Hey, Brandy. Uh Here's a question I want you to answer. Blood Everywhere wants to know, what do you miss most about not being pregnant? Not wine. Don't be basic.
1: Um, Oh, I have have an answer for that. What is it? I actually was just talking to David about this. Tattoos. Oh. You can't get tattooed while you're pregnant. Obviously, we couldn't get a tattoo right now anyway. But yeah, I want a tattoo so bad. Of like my face? Yes, your face on my bicep. And then when I flex, like your dimple will come (laughs) out. That's beautiful. And you know what? I think you should just take the risk, you know? Just
2: get out there. Do it. Ooh, Nippy Pliers wants to know. <laughs> that's the best name. <laughs> Brandy, what is the
1: worst haircut you've ever seen? Okay, so um, there was years ago when I worked at my first salon. It was just like a walk-in chain salon. right? And um, this guy used to come in and he had what we um, coined... We coined a term exclusively for his haircut. We called it the bullet because hmm? it was somehow a combination of a bowl cut and a mold. Oh, my. Uh, oh. He, wanted, he wanted it long in the back, but then he wanted straight across bangs no. cut above his eyebrows, like all the way to like the ears on the side. Oh, my God. It was okay. Th- the worst haircut. Was it harder, though, to cut? When all those women were hanging around him, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to fight the women yeah. up with a stick before we could even get to him <laughs> to trim up his bullet. <laughs> okay, now, so wait, you did this haircut on him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I trimmed it up multiple times, and you never—he already, he already had it when he came in, well, and sure. he was very clearly very attached to this haircut. Did you ever try to gently say anything to him? No. No, I was I was a new stylist. I was young. I was dumb. There was no way I thought that I could convince this man that it was not a good look for him. OK, how would the brandy of today handle that? Yeah, brandy of today would make some suggestions about, hey, what if we what if we blended this a little bit more? What if we took up some of this length in the back, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. up updated your look a little bit? What if we made it yeah. an even bigger bowl? <laughs> <laughs> Depending on my mood uh, today, Brandy, if I felt comfortable with the client, like would legit even just call them out and be like, you know, you're rocking a mullet, right? Yeah. See, I think just so we're all on the same page here, I think you could easily do that
2: if it's like you know you've cut their hair a couple times, they get to know your personality, and you're you'd be like, here's the deal. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm 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 shooting all these questions over to you, but people are asking some good stuff. Amy Trauber asks. Brandy, have you ever given anyone a really bad haircut?
1: Uh, yes, I have. I gave my dad a terrible, terrible haircut <laughs> no. when I was in cosmetology school. It was my first haircut that I tried to do, like, not in school uh-huh. under the instruction of someone. Yeah, I, like, went to his house and was like, yeah, I got this. It was a terrible haircut. Didn't blend at all. It was really, really bad. What happened? <laughs> like, what what went wrong i didn't know i had no idea what i was doing i was a brand new cosmetology student and i was like yeah sure i can handle this (laughs) i'd cut like one one men's haircut on a mannequin (laughs) how did your dad how did your dad react um i think that he was very embarrassed but he didn't tell me that yeah yeah he walked around with that terrible haircut for a while (laughs) while it grew out see um in my defense he had gotten the same like he had gone to the same barber for years and years and years and so he had he had no idea how to tell me to cut his hair because he always just like sat down and got it cut by someone Yeah. yeah And so it was just, it was bad all the way around. I do cut my dad's hair now and do a fabulous job at it.
2: <laughs> you know, I would almost think that would be hard on another level. Like, if someone has gotten the same haircut since the dawn of time, then we all think they should look a certain way. And so even just yeah. like, even just a variation on the normal yeah. cut would draw attention. But like... Sounds yeah. like sounds like it was a bad variation.
1: It oh it was a very it was a terrible variation. Nothing
2: yeah. like that beautiful cut I gave to Norman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Should we do some more?
2: Yeah, we can do a couple more. Okay, okay.
1: Oh here, okay, actually this I'm gonna take this one personally. Oh. Um, because I am on I'm on Lester's side here. Okay. Lester D eighty eight. Uh-huh. Lester has taken offense at something you tweeted the other day hmm. about a SpaghettiOs lawsuit. <laughs> and, um, and you tweeted something about it being a crime just to consume SpaghettiOs or whatever. Yes, it should be. Something, something very quippy. Um, I, I personally love SpaghettiOs and Lester does as well. And so um, what the this is the Brandy, question. how old are you? I have the palate of a five-year-old, Kristen. SpaghettiOs are I ate are just SpaghettiOs g- for lunch like two days no, ago. You d- no, you didn't. know you did Yes, there is. There was a three-week period during this pregnancy where I ate SpaghettiOs for lunch every single day. That is disgusting. <laughs> I enjoy SpaghettiOs. It's like
2: mushy old pasta in mm. like watered-down mm. ketchup. Mm.
1: Mm. Ugh. Yeah, so good. Well, I mean, you've pretty much answered the question. The question is, why do you hate SpaghettiOs? <laughs> and do you enjoy being wrong on the topic? <laughs> hey,
2: if hating SpaghettiOs is wrong, then I don't want to be right.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, thank you for those you, questions, guys. I could,
1: hold on. I could tell you something that will make you even more disgusted you by do? my love of SpaghettiOs. What'd you do? It's how I like them. Oh, my God. What? Room temperature. <gasps> I don't warm them up. You just eat them straight from the can. Yeah, you just take them right out of the can and eat
2: them. Oh, God. Brandy. It's delicious. Brandy. Why? <laughs> okay, we need to like... Whatever, come at me. Come at me, Ruffles and cottage cheese. Hey, that's only on special occasions. <laughs> <laughs> okay now we need to do some in-depth psychology on you ma'am because like your palate was stunted in like the
1: first grade like what happened to you was there like a traumatic food event traumatic food event no um i so i do have one so i actually can trace you know i don't like salty things yeah i trace this back to a moment where my mom force-fed me (laughs) um is this one of those stories Uh, where she's gonna come out in the discord and be like that never happened I bet she has no recollection okay, of this. Okay. She made like um you know like that chicken and broccoli and rice cheese oh, yeah. casserole thing. Yeah. So she made that and I didn't like it and I was very young. Like I was probably 4 or 5. Okay. And I didn't like it. I remember telling her that I didn't like it. And so she's like, "Oh, I think it just needs some salt." And so she just kept adding salt to it uh-huh. and making me try it. And make, like she just add a little uh-huh. salt and make me try it. And I was like, "No, I still don't like it." <laughs> And so I trace back my, my, um, my dislike of salty things to that moment. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you something. You are all drama.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope your mother writes you a very sweetly worded apology letter after she hears that harrowing tale.
1: (laughs) I still don't like that casserole to this day. And I like all of the things in it. I like cheese. I like chicken. I like rice. I like broccoli. Don't like it all together. Well,
2: I mean, there are tons of things that I like, but you put them together. I like, you know, chicken and Oreos. I'm not going to like
1: mush them together. (laughs) (laughs) I think it makes perfect sense that you don't like the combination. I don't. I So I also don't like potato salad. And with the exception of mayonnaise, I like all the stuff that's in it. It doesn't surprise me that you don't like potato salad. Yeah. No, thank you. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> is someone offering you potato salad right now? Yeah, somebody is dangling a spoonful of potato salad right in front of my face. Currently, <laughs> I'm having to fight them off. It's
2: amazing to me that someone would risk their life in this in these trying times just to force feed you one tablespoon of potato salad. That's right. <laughs> oh, now I'm so. You know what? Oh. Hmm. What do you want? spaghetti No, never. Never. It, you know what would be interesting? It would be interesting, like, if you set me in a room with no food, just water, like, and some spaghetti How long it would take you yes. to eat the spaghetti Yes. Yeah.
1: I think it'd be- When you'd finally cave. I think it'd be a good long while. What about, what about, like, Chef Boyardee? Did you like, like, beefaroni or ravioli? You like any of those? Brandy, I'm a grown woman. I, did you like them as a child? I don't even think I really liked them as a child. <laughs>
2: I think even as a child, what? I was like, I'm too good for this. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a nachos Lunchable. <laughs> no. Give me a nachos No, you know what? I was like, okay, last week you started talking about how you've been craving cheese dip. Yeah. How dare you, ma'am? Because, oh my gosh, all day Wednesday, all I wanted was cheese dip after you mentioned it. And of course, like cheese dip just cannot be had right now. Yeah. And... So then, then, you know, we, we listen to these episodes again once they've been edited. And then I got a craving yeah. all over again when you mentioned cheese dip again. So anyway, did you get cheese dip or no?
1: We did. We went and got Ugh. on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday we did Jose Pepper's carryout. Oh um, and it was good. See, it's real good. Okay,
2: it's it's real hit or miss these days with the carry out because you know. Well, well
1: I they're not would working venture with. I guess that maybe it wasn't that great because, but it had been so long since I had it <laughs> that it tasted amazing. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. You gotta you gotta keep in consideration the yardstick that you're using to measure. That's true. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's just hard these days because I feel like you know they're working with a skeleton crew. I Everybody's know, like, scared. We're
1: really suffering here.
2: Yeah. What was that? With what, our,
1: uh, what was that? Getting cheese dip.
2: <laughs> what was that other thing you said before we started recording?
1: stop it. don't say I said something terrible again <laughs> well, what was that thing you said about Hitler before we started recording
2: <laughs> I can't remember you made a lot of really good points Brandy <laughs> you had kind of a manifesto if I remember it right <laughs> No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, Brandy, let's do some Supreme Court inductions.
1: Do you have the document up and ready? I do. I have it up. I have it ready. I'm on the current episode. Oh, my God. Look at you. Woo. Yeah. Episode 119 got my shit together. Okay. <laughs> you guys? Uh, you want you want to do names? Uh, No. <laughs> Look, these are super easy names. Okay,
2: says you. Well, actually, yeah, they do look pretty easy. They are. They look very easy. Okay, guys, we are... And even this nice Tracy told you how to pronounce it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sometimes when people (laughs) tell me how to pronounce names that are really obvious, I take that out. But I love that that Tracy (laughs) told me it was Trey-C. Trey-C. Thank you. (laughs) So this week we are keeping with our... uh, I don't know what a man the words they fell out of my head <laughs> we're doing favorite movies uh, we will movies. be reading
1: names in favorite okay, movies yes. <laughs> thank you
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was very tough are you ready
1: yes Nick Mastin Cruel Intentions Ronnie Webster Mean Girls Amanda Ryan American Graffiti Emily From Dusk Till Dawn Tri-C <laughs> The Birds <laughs> Sorry about
2: that Tracy Sarah Sense and Sensibility Jess
1: Hunter Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit <laughs> Emily Emen, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles Misty Dawn Shawshank Redemption Sandy Kempton Dreamer Tammy Urish The Princess Bride Kim Pleasance I don't like movies <laughs> <laughs> Christian Anne, Pride and Prejudice, the Keira Knightley version Stacey Mengel Hunt for Red October Welcome to the Supreme Court Thank you for real guys for all of your support and for continuing to support us during whatever the day and age that we're living in <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, the when will this time end? ever When will it end? I never, just never. Don't say that. Ugh. Someday, maybe it'd be great if we did, like, legit know if there was going to be like an end to this at some point, make this a lot easier. Oh God, <laughs> great. Oh, I just want to see you, Kristen. I just want to hang
2: out. I know. I do too. Mm. I want normalcy again.
1: Me too.
2: Ugh. Okay. well, wow, we've
1: really ended this on a way to bring that down. Thank you for real. Thank (laughs) you for supporting us. Um, Hey, if you've got some free time laying around, I don't know why uh, you would on social media. (laughs) Yeah, find (laughs) us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit patreon be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and head on over to wow and <laughs> on head on over, on over to <laughs> head on over to apple podcast leave us a rating leave us a review and be sure to join us next week when we'll be experts on two
2: whole new topics podcast adjourned And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited
1: vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes Wikipedia.
2: So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from Vogue, the BBC, Time Magazine, Newsweek, The
1: Guardian, and The Independent. And I got my info from theunredacted.com, an article for Mental Floss by Deanna Chopa. Um, sorry, I just stumbled for reason. No, <laughs> the Liverpool Echo and Wikipedia. For a full list of our sources, visit an <laughs> lggcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. <laughs> <laughs>